Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, as always, email us rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media, Twitter, TST underscore underscore radio, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. You can also find the show on the many radio and podcast players available to download, or you can visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info. Find the archive there or subscribe to the main archive, which means that you'll get access to the show without those outside monetized algorithmic advertisements. You'll also get access to the montage archive, digital versions of my books to download and read, and early access to the show, plus a private RSS feed. You can subscribe two ways. You can either go to the website and click on one of the weekly, monthly, or yearly subscriptions, or simply donate to the show for those periods of time, whether you would like a one-month for $10 a month or a yearly for $50. And if you do the one-time donation, make sure you send me an email to make sure that I get everything set for you on the, the back end of the website. You will get access to everything. You will be supporting the show, and you will be keeping us on air Monday through Friday, five nights a week, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. And if you have any trouble listening to the show elsewhere during the live broadcast, check out groundzero.radio. That is the easiest way to listen to the show. It is also the most efficient way to listen to the show. There should never be any technical glitches there. www.thesecretteachings.info, groundzero.radio, and again, the email rdgable at yahoo.com. Well, you know that the Ministry of Truth is firing on all cylinders, whether there's an actual ministry of truth or not. But the idea and the concept of the ministry of truth is absolutely firing on all cylinders, full speed ahead. When you start to realize and you put together the pieces and recognize that for the last couple of years, we have seen a dramatic alteration in the way that we communicate and in the way that we use certain words. I know that a lot of people have probably recognized this, so I'm not the first one. But early on in 2020, people started to point out that the word pandemic had been redefined. Soon after, we learned that the word vaccine was also redefined. More recently, with the nomination and the introduction of a new Supreme Court justice, a woman who could not define what a woman was. We saw the same question spread to the nightly news and spread to social media, and a lot of people had trouble deciding how to define what a woman is. And so we kind of redefined what a woman is. And the interesting thing is, almost ironic, as much as it is absurd, when Roe versus Wade was overturned, Suddenly, everybody knew what a woman was again. And it didn't make a lot of sense. Now we're watching words like recession and inflation be redefined. Inflation was redefined a couple of months, maybe a couple of years ago. Recession was redefined a few days ago. And now the word inflation 
is defined as, and this is not a joke, this is in textbooks as well. This has been a long time coming, but in contemporary culture and in public conversation and discourse, this is a relatively recent thing. But it is a, it is a fact that the word inflation has been redefined to mean people who counterfeit money are responsible for increased costs of goods. We've also heard this from economic sources that inflation is caused by people counterfeiting money. In the same way that we've heard the White House say that gas prices are only rising because gas station owners are greedy. And then when gas prices start to go down, suddenly the president who never had any hand in gas prices, he takes responsibility. And all those greedy gas station owners, I guess... They got less greedy. And now again, we've redefined what the word recession means. And we're not in a recession, even though we technically are in a recession. Now, I know that maybe maybe those things don't matter as much to, to you. Maybe they don't matter as much to your friends or to your family. A lot of people don't understand, nor do they care about economics or even trying to understand how, how finances or economics in, in general work. And that's okay if you don't want to understand those things. I'm not an expert in them either. But you should care about the way that we redefine words. You should care that words like pandemic and vaccine have been redefined, that quarantine even has been redefined to include people who are not sick, that words like woman or Women have been redefined. That words like inflation, words like recession have been redefined. That should concern you. That should make you question the status quo. That should actually worry you. Because if words can be changed so quickly, so simply, so easily, your reality can likewise be changed that immediately. And not only can be changed, it is being changed that quickly. Because if you change the definition of a pandemic, so what's happening can be defined as a pandemic, then there really is no pandemic. If you define what a vaccine is to force people to take an experimental mRNA gene therapy shot, then they're not taking a vaccine They're taking an experimental gene therapy shot, but they want to call it a vaccine because then there can be a legal precedent for it. The word woman or the word women only applies, apparently, when we're talking about men who want to be women. It doesn't include or involve the young girls in showers or locker rooms or in hot tubs at spas or at the YMCA where men just walk in nude or half nude in front of these young girls, those women don't matter. What matters are the big, fat, hairy men who identify as women. This is, this is the thing. is This has nothing to do with LGBTQ or science or anti-science. For all you know, I'm pro-vaccine. For all you know, I'm pro-pandemic. I could be wearing a mask right now. The point is, when we're changing words like this, we're changing reality. And within the culture war itself, words like racism have been completely redefined. 
For example, most of you know that I'm living in Tucson, Arizona. But I moved from Rochester, New York, where I had lived for about three years. And when I first moved to Rochester, New York, I was, I was already upset because I don't like New York. I like this, the state, but I don't like the cities and I don't like the, the, the filth and the garbage and the crime. But I moved to Rochester. It was an, it was an issue with pertaining to my son. And that's the only reason I moved there. And I learned living there for some time that the Rochester school system, the public school system, and I, I learned this from teachers who worked in the school, uh, schools, plural, that they changed the meaning of the word racism so that it only includes white people, which doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense in, under any definition of racism that if you're white, you're just racist because of the color of your skin, which is obviously the, the actual definition of racism to classify someone as something as a stereotype based on the color of their skin. Schools have become a breeding ground of this type of ideology. Schools have become a breeding ground of re-education ideology. With lockdowns initiating a dramatic reduction in rates of literacy, social development, and even physical development. Lockdowns accelerated the Marxist ideology that was already present in public and in private schools. Over the weekend, I went to... There's an award-winning uh, bread shop down, sort of downtown Tucson. And uh, every couple of weeks, I, I go there and I'll get some bread. I'm not a huge bread guy, but they've got olive breads and focaccias and you know, Cubanos, and they've got like walnut loaves and different things. And, and my, my fiance, Hope, she's a, she's a big bread lady, so she likes, she likes bread. And we'll go down and we'll get, get a loaf or two uh, on the weekend. Some of the best bread I ever ate, some of it's you know, whole grain, so it's, it's not just like this white you know classic bread it's a bunch of different types and they use like real walnuts real cranberries things like this so it's worth waiting in line now i go down there this weekend and i'm waiting in line and this guy comes up he's nice he starts coming up to people in line and he's asking for people to sign a petition for schools and i sort of heard what he said i was reading a book and then he came up to me and he started he started talking to me so i put put the book down and he said i want he said i wanted to see if you'd sign this petition to, I guess, overturn or like we have in the state of Arizona, once you get enough people to sign a petition, most states have this, you can get this on the ballot. They can basically we, we, we can, uh, you know, reverse certain laws or things like that in the state. So he's got this petition gone. And he says, will you sign this to to help overturn the, the law that has been passed that is giving vouchers to parents to homeschool their children. And I thought, well, that's that's not something I really agree with considering that they passed that law. I don't know a lot about it, but they passed that law because what was happening was because of school shutdowns, because in, in counties like Pima, the county I live in, it's extremely, I'm not even going to call it progressive anymore, it's extremely Marxist, extremely communist, and they actively were engaged in shutting down schools. And if you're talking about, uh, if you're talking about uh, shutting down schools, uh, look at the library system around here. It is, it's as bad, if not worse, than the school system is. They don't teach kids anything. The library system here sucks horribly. Uh, they're, they just dump piles of books in dumpsters. 
Like it, it just, it sucks. It's horrible. And the school system is not, not much different, but they shut it down because of quote unquote COVID-19 because of the redefined word pandemic. And so I said, no, I don't really think that, you know, those, those should be taken away from parents that want to send their kids to private schools and schools that stayed open or schools that, you know, would uh, maybe teach their kids something more than what they're learning in public school. And it sounds like a good gesture, right? It's like why, his rhetoric was, why are, why are we using taxpayer money to give vouchers to parents to send their kids to, to private school? And I thought, well, I don't like government intervention, but there's, there's two problems I have with what you're saying, buddy. Number one is taxpayer money is already given to public schools. So using taxpayer money to finance private schools, it seems like a double standard to me if you're upset about that. The second thing is when you're talking about private school vouchers, it sounds like you're upset that children have a second option, which concerns me because a lot of parents are putting their kids in private schools because they don't want to be pumped full of the rhetoric and the ideology and the re-education style camp indoctrination that is occurring in, in your public schools. So it's almost as if you don't want parents or children to have another option. And it almost sounds like you're really upset that the same money being allocated for public schools, how dare it be allocated for private schools? We have a right to teach the kids of Arizona. And I, and I told him that. And I was nice about it. I said, I, I'm not saying that, you know, you're a piece of garbage. I'm just saying that this just kind of sounds suspicious. I don't buy it. And uh, I don't, even if, you know, it, it is a good thing, I, don't, I guess I don't know enough about it, so I don't want to sign it. And he didn't really care to engage with me. He wasn't concerned with debating or trying to get my signature because the people behind me just openly were like, well, we'll sign it with their masks on. So I was like, okay, yeah, they're definitely brainwashed, clearly, and they don't have an opinion. It's not like they engaged me in a conversation, and I could be wrong. But, you know, at least debate me on the subject. But they didn't do that. And the guy himself didn't do it. Why? Because used to be, I mean, I, I've, I've had petitions. I've, I've worked with, uh, with uh, getting people to sign things before. It was something in, in, in the state of Florida a long, long time ago. It was like a, a, one of the first job gigs I got out of film school. It was like a nonpartisan political group. I, I don't know what it was about. I don't even really remember the details. Something to do with taxes. So anyway, they, 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 you know, they used to have to go around and like you try to convince people, but people don't want to be convinced of anything. They want to feel good about what they're doing. So long story short, what happens is he just gets a whole line of people. It's like every person with a mask on in line signed the petition, and every person that didn't have a mask on didn't sign the petition, which I thought was really indicative of the biased political viewpoints of those people. Nobody asked the guy a question. I was the only one that confronted him and asked why what he was doing seemed extremely hypocritical and like a double standard. And I said, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even dismissing your petition. You have a right to do this. It's in the state constitution. But my problem is why you're doing it. I, I, I said, change, like, change my mind, basically. And he wouldn't engage with me. The guy that wants my signature won't engage with me and try to change my mind. So, again, long story short, there are three people standing in front of me. Husband and wife, and then I'm guessing uh, maybe a sister or, uh, or a friend, another lady. And the guy turns around and he says, he starts laughing. He said, hey. He's like, I couldn't sign that because I'm from, I'm from Massachusetts and we're just visiting. He said, but I, I agree with you. And I said, well, I, I appreciate that. And then he, he turns back around and then him and his wife turn around to me a second time. And he's like, yeah, she's, a, she's actually a professor at a university in Massachusetts. 
And I said, well, that's, that's interesting. What do you teach? And she teaches something. I don't remember exactly what it was she taught. It was something like social studies and think something to, to do with that. And she also taught a class on like home, home, uh, home ec as well. So she taught a couple different things. And I said, well, what's it like there in Massachusetts? She said, same, same exact thing. She said, it's a, it's a school system that, yeah, doesn't, we don't have enough money, but there's a reason why the schools don't have a lot of money. And it has nothing to do with evil Republicans not wanting to finance those schools. And I said, well, I, I remember when I lived in Florida, one of the things that happened was teachers would be, teachers would be encouraged to push, or it was kind of like George Bush's No Child Left Behind, right? And there, there's a Republican, right? So it's not a political thing. It's just there, there, there was this movement to get teachers to push kids ahead who didn't know how to do certain things. They didn't pass the tests or they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know basic arithmetic. So they would just pass them, right? And that's not even the fault of the teacher. They're being kind of encouraged to, to do that. We've also, across the country, we've lowered the standards in schools. And then you have some school districts. I know of a couple where money just goes missing. Millions of dollars goes missing. So why would the state finance those schools when it's the school districts and the school board directors and people like that who make up the policies, who make up the curriculum, who dictate to the schools how they're going to function, etc. And then when the schools don't have enough money because they, they, they squander it, because they, they squander the money and because they, they, they don't, take care of the institutions, then it's somehow the state's fault. So all this is going through my head, and this woman tells me, this is a professor in Massachusetts, she tells me, she says, look, she's like, I know this, it's like, it's going to sound like I'm making this up. She's like, I've taught for like, she was teaching since the 90s, so she's taught for at least three decades. She said, the number of college students, these are not high schoolers or middle schoolers, she said, the number of college students in my class who cannot read or write is beyond comprehension. And I, I should have gotten her contact and, and interviewed her. And I, I kind of kicked myself for that. But the, 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 we were talking all the way up until we were at the front of the line. And then they actually went inside the, the store and, and I, didn't, I didn't get to say anything else to them. But she told me that most of the kids in her class, these are, these are basically adults. They, they were illiterate or close to being illiterate. But then, it, then she went further and she said, you know, again, this is college. She's a college professor. And she tells me, not only are they largely illiterate, she said, but when I try to work with them to, these are college kids, <laughs> which is just, my God. She said, when I'm trying to work with them, uh, another issue arises because when we try to teach the kids a little bit more about, you know, proper grammar or proper ways to write and even arithmetic, you know, that's something that they don't understand. She said, what, what happens is the school, the college gets upset because they consider that to be racist. And I just sat there and I had a good conversation with these people, but I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, and I, and I expressed it to them. I said, that, that kind of sounds like, especially if you're talking about minorities that the institutions don't want certain groups of people to know how to read or write. So much so that they're calling a teacher who's trying to teach people how to read or write so they can be independent and free thinking. They're calling that teacher racist. You know, real, real racists don't want people to be able to read or write if they're in inferior 
social, cultural, ethnic groups. White, black, doesn't matter. People that see themselves as superior to others don't want their inferiors to know how to read or write, to form their own opinions, to get together in groups, and to uh, create resistance to the status quo. And yet this is a professor who's been teaching for decades at a university in Massachusetts, and she tells me that most of her kids are illiterate. I don't know how they got out of high school, let alone got into college. And that if she tries to focus on learning how to read and write better, it's not that they, they couldn't read or write, but they were, they were borderline illiterate. She said it's considered discrimination, and it's, it's basically, I mean, she was called it, she called a racist for trying to help the kids learn how to read or write. That's how, that's how bad things are. And we learned last week, we talked about, here's the economist. COVID learning loss has been a global disaster. In Latin American countries, a 30% increase in illiteracy. Experts blame speech delays in children, largely because of masks. There's another report from June. Isolation during COVID pandemic has delayed kids' social skills, according to a new study. And it's also regressed these children in both their, quote, independence and self-care skills, including physical development, delays in learning how to walk and how to crawl. When this is the result of the policies, the so-called laws, which are not laws, but the policies and the mandates, etc., that destroy small business, that destroy individual freedom, that destroy children's ability to read and to write, destroys children's ability to learn how to communicate with others, to see people's faces, to develop social skills, to learn how to care for themselves, to learn how to be independent. This is not a mistake. This is not an accident. This is intentional. And if you think that's bad, wait until you hear what our guest tonight has to say about what's happening in the public school system in the state of Florida, my home state, where they have a really good governor, Ron DeSantis. It's not stopping the schools from promoting the eating of bugs, promoting everything from violence and homosexuality to some of the most perverse sexual stuff you can imagine. This is in public schools in a state like Florida. We're going to talk to a teacher when we come back on the broadcast. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. rdgable at yahoo.com. Our friend Anastasia is coming up next. She's a teacher for a very long time in the state of Florida. We're going to talk to her about the state of the education system. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and tst underscore underscore radio to tweet with us this is david ike from davidike.com author of the phantom self and the perception deception and you are listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable from ground zero to the secret teachings keep your dial tuned to ground zero radio you could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. 
We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us. As I said to start out the show tonight, the Ministry of Truth is firing on all cylinders, full speed ahead. We know that because over the last three to four years specifically, last two particularly, we've seen the definitions of words changed that sound like something from George Orwell or Eric Blair's 1984. For example, We learned pretty early on in 2020 that the word pandemic had been redefined. Then we learned that the word vaccine had been redefined. Not by opinion, but by dictionaries. Then we learned that the word woman or women was being redefined when we saw Kentaji Jackson, Supreme Court judge nominee, being questioned by Congress, and she could not define what a woman was. Now, maybe that was her own personal hang-up, but then it spread to social media. And people were asked on the street as well by documentary crew, filmmakers. The average person can't define what a woman is. And then when Roe versus Wade was essentially overturned by the Dobbs decision of the Supreme Court, suddenly everybody knew what a woman was again. Well, that's kind of old news, though, isn't it? Now we have words like inflation and recession that have been redefined. It's kind of interesting how gas prices go up. That's not the president's fault. Gas prices start to go down. That's the president's fault. 
It's his responsibility. You should vote for his political party, we're told by the White House. Then we were told gas prices only went up because of greedy gas station owners, but now they're going down not because the gas station owners suddenly are not greedy, but because of the tireless work of the commander-in-chief. Meanwhile, they've redefined what the word inflation is, and they've redefined what the word recession is. These are things that have happened within the last seven days. We are, of course, officially, as of last week, in a recession, and yet the White House still maintains that there is no such thing as a recession. I mean, nothing could really be a better example of freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, and war is peace. And of course, within the culture war itself, words like racism have been completely redefined. In the Rochester public school system in New York, where I lived for a few years before moving back to Arizona, they literally redefined the word racism to mean, and I talked to teachers in Rochester about this. They said, this is how children are being taught in school. The word racism is, if you're white, you're racist. Even if you have a black parent, if your skin is kind of white, you're still a racist. Literally labeling children, especially children, as being a racist or being inherently discriminatory toward everybody else because of the color of their skin based on the color of that white child's skin, which is, of course, the definition originally of the word racism. I mean, obviously, words change over time. The word influenza comes from influence of the stars, but we don't consider the stars to have anything to do with flu today. And obviously, words like virus stems from a word that means snake poison. It means uh, venom, or it means, and I'm not talking about the venom thing from that documentary. I mean, literally, it means venom or slimy liquid poison. That's the original Latin of the word. Obviously, words change. But there's a difference between culture over 100 years and sociology over 100 years changing and, 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 and the way that we talk and communicate changing. And then things rapidly occurring in a short period of time that are institutionalized and systemic to teach us that a pandemic is not really a pandemic, but something not a pandemic is actually a pandemic. And to redefine words like recession and inflation to tell people and to literally gaslight them, no pun intended, to literally gaslight them and tell them that prices are only going up because that is good for you. Like when Bernie Sanders said that bread lines are good. It means people are hungry. We want bread lines. See, schools have become a breeding ground just as much as every news segment that you watch on TV or listen to on most radio shows. It's a breeding ground for re-education and extremist ideology. Lockdowns, of course, initiated a dramatic reduction in rates of literacy. I'll use the Latin American statistic because it's one of the most horrific in Latin America. Latin American countries, not one country, but all Latin American countries saw a 30% increase in rates of illiteracy because of lockdowns. And of course, Sub-Saharan Africa, places in India, Latin America, etc. Very poor places, undeveloped places, places we would consider to be, oh, these are minorities that we care about. Those are the people that are hit hardest with lockdowns. Those are the people that are hit hardest with gas prices, energy costs, food costs, etc. You can say it's in the name of climate change or it's in the name of protecting people from a virus. But that's not what it's about. This is about harming the most vulnerable 
in society, including poor white people. It's about harming everybody. Because true equality in a Marxist system means everybody is poor, everybody's in poverty. That's what it's really all about. Social development, independent thought, self-care, all of these things have been harmed. Children have been harmed, rather, by all of these things as a result of lockdowns. Children are less independent. They don't know how to take care of themselves at a higher rate than before. They lack the social skills necessary to communicate with their friends. And furthermore, there are marked physical developmental delays in young children as a result. I mean, children are literally being taught in school to eat insects, to hate each other based on the color of their skin, to act out in violence with no repercussions for their actions, and to prefer same-sex relationships or to prefer more orgiistic relationships, promiscuinity. Now, I can find one place in world history where this was done, and it was done because in the 1920s after World War I, we're going to bring our guest on here in just a moment, in World War I, World War I post-World War I era, communists tried to take over the German government. German soldiers after the war, though, especially considering that Germany was, was uh, unfairly punished after World War I, German soldiers were able to fight against the uprising and the rebellion, and they pushed the communists back and prevented a communist takeover. Now, much like America, just like in World War II, the Japanese said, one Japanese commander in particular said that they would never be able to invade mainland uh, U.S. They could never invade the mainland because there'd be a gun behind every, quote, blade of grass. Soviet Union thought the same thing. That's why there's never a a mainland invasion of the United States that was serious. The Japanese launched some... some, uh, some explosives at a, an oil refinery uh, off the coast of Los Angeles back in the 40s, but n- nothing really happened because, you know, Americans have guns. So America is really, uh, that's one of the things that protects us both from enemies foreign and domestic, right? So as a result of that, the Soviet Union attempted to get into the school system. They wanted to get into the education system and they wanted to spread their ideology, Marxism, Leninism, etc., Maoism, Stalinism, to generation after generation. And it took a while but they got their people and their ideologies in place, especially good meaning, good intention, good-willed people that, that believe these things because of the way they're worded. Intellectuals tend to believe that you know, kind words matter more than policies and the results of those policies. And what happened in Germany is now happening here in the United States because the communists couldn't wage a physical war against the Germans. They waged a psychological war. The word transvestite, the first sexual reversal surgery, reversing your natural sexuality and turning you into the opposite sex. A man had his penis cut off and he was turned into a woman. I believe that was in 1924 in Berlin. Burlesque shows, drag shows, etc. were prevalent in Berlin. It became the capital and the hub of homosexuality in the world, which now today is Tel Aviv, Israel, officially. It's, they're proud of it. It's not a, a thing that's hidden. And they also started to push something else. They started to push and what were called red schools, communist propaganda that encouraged children to take up relationships with the opposite sex and for men to become women and women to become men with the intention that was stated to undermine the German family, German culture, German society, German masculinity, German femininity, and German children, to separate them all, to break them apart, and to make the German culture submissive 
to the communist ideology that otherwise was unable to physically take over and dominate the country of Germany. And I believe that is precisely exactly what is happening here today in the United States. Children are now being taught to eat insects, hate each other based on skin color or gender identity, act out in violence with no repercussions, and enjoy same-sex relationships at ages in which they don't even understand what their own sex is, let alone the sex of another child. I told the story in the first segment. I was in line at a store uh, yesterday, day before yesterday, and I talked to a professor from a university in Massachusetts, and she told me at a college, she's taught there for decades, there are kids in her class that are illiterate, that do not know how to read or write or do not know how to read or write well. This is a college. They do not know how to read or write. And I asked the questions like, is this a, this a really poor college? She's like, no, it's, just, it's, just a, it's a pretty standard you know, college at the state level. Kids are illiterate. She says across the board. People she knows, other teachers, kids are illiterate. And if she tries to encourage them to read or write, the school considers that an act of discrimination because most of them are not white. Something is going on that is not a byproduct of accident or negligence. It's largely a product of ideology. And tonight, joining us on the show, someone I haven't spoken to in a very long time, old friend of mine from the state of Florida, where I am from, Anastasia, who has been a teacher for a very long time. I actually heard her call into Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis one night, and she was telling Clyde about uh, what they were teaching kids in school. So Anastasia and I got in contact, and she's on the show tonight. Anastasia, welcome to The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for joining us. Please let us know a little bit about yourself, and then I'd like to go into what kids are being taught in schools, particularly the ones that you're teaching in. Thank you so much, Ryan, and thank you for having me tonight. So, um... First of all, I would like to say a uh, major, um, I, I want to have the uh, recognition of my mother because she really saw so many things from a time period that most people didn't. And um, one of her concerns was the state taking over the children. And they started this thing of where the school officials uh, call students um, students to the parents, your student this, your student that. And my mother was like, no, this is not my student. This is your student. This is my child. And I think that that's such a major significant point that people need to take with their children. These are their children and they should have the final say of what is in the classroom and board members should represent them. Now, whenever I first went through college, I went through um, and received a marketing degree. And in marketing, you use propaganda techniques. And I didn't want to do that with people. Um, I went into fashion merchandising and marketing. And so I started scrubbing in the schools and realized that I really enjoyed teaching students who were having difficulty learning how to read and write. And... One of the things that we taught, because I went back and got my teaching degree in special education, was um, reading, remedial reading, we taught propaganda techniques. We taught students to look through and see if they were being persuaded. And that ended. And I don't know exactly when it ended because I was a stay-at-home mom at times. But when I came to Florida and started teaching here, I noticed that it was no longer taught. And I mentioned it to a principal. And he said, well, they learn about propaganda techniques when they learn about 
um, other countries in world history. And I just kind of looked at him like, are you serious? And he could tell that I was a little bit, you know, annoyed by that. He said, well, I guess that we do have propaganda here as well. And I said, well, yes, I believe so. Um, so that was a, a change that I saw. Um, there have been, there have been other changes that I've seen whenever I started teaching in Florida around the time that we met, um, we were teaching from something that was called a Chi 3000 and I called it data mine. It made me very uncomfortable. They had stories from students would read a question, they would answer it. And then they were asked to influence you into this belief about this topic. And then they, they read the story, they answered questions, and then they came back to that same question to see if they would answer it the same. And if not, why not? Or if so, what, what helped strengthen their belief in this? And that was a major concern to me, which I'm sure it would be to you as well. Um, I presented it to the parents at the open house, they were all fine with it, which I was deplored by. I feel that a lot of parents, and I've known this from knowing a lot of people who have kids. I mean, I have, I have a, a child of my own. He's not in school, and I don't think he's going to be going to public school. He's going to be homeschooled. But I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of parents are just as oblivious to what's happening in, in schools as, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, the children are uh, oblivious to what they're being taught and what they're being indoctrinated indoctrinated to the belief i think a lot of parents mm-hmm. feel as if well the school is the authority and especially because they have to work or because you know they maybe they blindly trust an authority they just allow the schools to do whatever and they don't really have the time or the the wherewithal to deal with it i think that's on the surface part of part of the problem I mean, maybe for other parents they they really do believe in in these ideologies I do agree with you that they are just overworked and everybody's just going through and um, going through the motions they're supposed to during the day. Yes. So they're being good parents. They're at the open house. I'm presenting it like I'm supposed to. I'm trying to emphasize that this is a um, online um, program and that these are questions that are, you know, obviously going to somebody. Um, It just, the, but I was seeing them just didn't resonate with them for whatever reason. Let, let me let me ask you uh, this: how, how long have you been teaching since you've gotten your degree? How long have you been teaching? How many years? Okay, so it's been on and off, and it's been probably about twelve, fourteen, fifteen years. I'd have to look back at it. And I started in the year nineteen eighty nine. Have you seen a, a dramatic or a more dramatic change in the last couple of years as opposed to the years prior to, let's say, 2015 or 16? Has there been a bigger change or has it been as consistent as it was before? It, there's an absolute change. And whenever I first started teaching, a lot was determined by the principal's parents and the teachers. You know, we had a lot of autonomy over what was going on in our classrooms and right, how we handled right. certain situations. You know, they, they treated us like we were actual professionals that knew what we were doing. And then I left teaching. I had young children. I went back around the 1990s, and they had zero tolerance at that time. And so students, I, I worked at a school where a student had been arrested for having a Tylenol in her purse. And she was 
this was like one of the richest areas of Kingwood, Texas. Um, if I recall correctly, she was an honor student and they were worried because she would not be able to keep that status. And it was just straight across the board. She had that Tylenol in her bag. It didn't matter that it was one Tylenol. Um, that was it. You know, zero tolerance. It was the same as having probably, you know, an actual illegal drug. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at at the details. It happened the year before I worked there. It happened. Correct me if I'm wrong, but now, I mean, I haven't spent time in the public school system because I'm not a teacher, but from what I've read and from the people I've spoken to, uh, you and others, now it almost feels or it seems as if the policy is if you're acting appropriately, if you're acting uh, virtuously or ethically, not just in school, but just in in, in society and even in businesses, it seems as if there's a systemic uh, agenda and opposition to virtuous behavior. It's like if you don't take drugs, if you don't drink alcohol, if you don't engage in promiscuity, if you don't degrade uh, your own culture and your own people and yourself, it's like you're, you're a bad person. It's like we've had a complete 180 degree shift in, in culture and in society where if you're, if you're a decent person who tries to do the right thing, everything is established to, to make you fail is what it feels like. You, you are so correct. And it, it is a 180. Um, when was it that they came out with the gangster rap? Do you remember the year? Like F- I believe it was around the 1990s. Like FBI inspired uh, kind of things back in the, yeah, exactly. like the late 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So during that time, they had the zero tolerance, and I actually saw a student of mine get arrested and taken out in handcuffs. There was another student that a teacher turned into me because he had made a comment about me, and she said they could have him arrested and handcuffed and taken out of here. And I said, well, no, I don't want to do that. There's no reason for it. I'll talk to him. And the coach found out, and he helped me, and this kid did a complete turnaround more like how it was whenever I first started teaching. But that's because I intervened and said, no, you know, I'm not going to do this. Um, now, you had the gangster rap. You had a whole change from the Will Smith, you know, cute boppy rap to, you know, this other stuff. And then, um, I don't know. I, I was away from teaching for a little while again. And then I came back and all of a sudden we had what was called restorative justice. And it had another name to it. I don't remember how it started off. And my under, if my recollection is correct, I believe that it was started by Obama. And I think that it was started here in Florida. And there was discussion over this Nicholas Cruz that shot up the school yes, about yes. him being a part of it, that he was under that program. There were arguments back and forth about whether or not he was, if he was covered by it. So that's when things changed and all of a sudden the students could behave however they wanted to. And it was okay because it was because of their demographics or their culture, they were special needs or something like that, but they were given excuses and they were given more opportunities. They, they have a whole list of things that they can do to basically get out of trouble. You know, they get out of a jail free card. Well, with my students, whenever I started seeing this, I was just appalled, you know, there was, there's a kid that was at, at a middle school here in Orange County that had his pants down around his ankles and he's pumping at, at girls, twerking at them, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what the exact phrase would be. And 
the the principal had to have seen it, and she yelled at him to to go to the cafeteria. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And so I saw another administrator and I said, you know, this just happened. I don't know the student, you know, I, I, I can't call him out. Won't be able to see him again, probably. I, you know, but I think something should happen here. And she, she said, well, here's the principal now. Why don't you tell her yourself? And so I said it and she, um, the, the principal just said, oh, okay, and turned around and walked off. And the other administrator looked at me, and she just smiled, like, apologetically, kind of like, this is what we're dealing with. And she said, thank you, Miss B. And, you know, we all went on our way. Um, it just complete turnaround. So I started explaining to my students that they needed to go home to their parents and tell them what was going on in the schools. You know, please go home, tell them. And I, I didn't care if it was my class, somebody else's class, the, the hallway, the bus stop. But if you see behaviors that shouldn't be taking place, just go tell your parents. And they were coming back to class and saying, we're telling our parents and they don't believe us. Well, their parents had been raised more under the, the, the really strict zero tolerance, a lot of them. They didn't understand it. So, they, they couldn't so what's, what was going on. what's what's happening in schools? I mean, whether it's public and, and even some private schools as well, is I think equivalent to what's happening in a lot of major cities. For for example, when I lived in Rochester, New York, not that Tucson is necessarily much better, but Rochester, New York was filled with uh, crime that wasn't prosecuted. It was filled with yeah. drugs, needles on the street homeless people, even naked people sometimes, outright theft. People would come into the grocery store I worked at. They would steal big chunks of meat and, and different things that were very expensive. And then they just walk out the front door and the store, you know, the policy was you can't touch them. You can't go near them. And so even when we tried to call the police and it, some of these people were black, some of these people were white, some of these people were homeless, some of these people were not homeless. But when we tried to call the police, people working at the school, store were so conditioned that it, the few times we did call the police, the police would ask for a description of the person so they could find them and, and, and arrest them, and, or at least confront them. And the, the, the people working at the store refused to give a description out. And I, I've, I confronted a few people. I said, well, what do you mean? Why aren't you giving a description? Oh, because, you know, that we, that's racist to give a description. It's like, no, they, they robbed the store, so give a description. I don't care what their color, this color of their skin is, et cetera. But these, these were mostly younger kids that were, I mean, a couple years younger than me, some kids that were in college. And this is the kind of stuff that they were learning in college, let alone the, the terrible public school system there in the city. They were learning mm -hmm. that if someone commits a crime, doesn't matter if they're, they're, they're black or white, but especially if they're black, you can't report them because they are allowed to commit the crime. doesn't make any sense. It creates a culture of degeneracy. It creates a culture of amorality. It creates a culture of special privileges. And it creates a culture in which people are incredibly treat, or treated incredibly unequal. And this is the standard status quo today. And yes, and I, I do see them in schools as well. And um, the students hamper their own actions because I do believe that there are times, and it, it may not be real frequent, but that there are times that they feel like if they do say something, um, say that somebody is getting hurt by somebody of a certain demographic, 
that they're not a part of that demographic, that it makes them racist. And it's like they don't understand what the word racism means. They cannot. Because it's been redefined, right? It, it, it seems to have been redefined in their, in their minds. Of what it is. And, and you've also seen the word pandemic, the word vaccine, the word woman, the word inflation, the word recession. All these words have been redefined. Some of them recently, the word recession was just redefined uh, about a week ago. Everything, uh, all these words have been redefined. And when we're redefining words, we're redefining reality. And it's no wonder that I spoke to a professor from a university in Massachusetts over the weekend. She said a lot of the kids in her class are illiterate. Uh, they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't know how to read or write. I mean, on occasion, I remember when I was in high school, there was a kid here or there that didn't know how to tell time or something on a, on a digital clock even. But now it seems yeah. to be the norm. And I want to talk a lot more about this when we come back from break. We'll get into the explicit details of it. Anastasia is with us, a teacher for many years now in the state of Florida. And we're going to speak with her about what's going on in the public school system. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More with Anastasia when we come back from break. Stay with us. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. This is Linda Godfrey, author of Monsters Among Us, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory, it's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell 
and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl out to the fallout back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us whenever and wherever you are listening around the world in the Secret Teachings Archive. You are listening on a podcast or radio player like Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Just scroll down to the bottom of the player and let us and others know what you think of the show. Otherwise, you can listen to the show five nights a week, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. And you can find our archive on the website and our subscription archive so you can get rid of the monetized advertisements. Otherwise, that would be there if you're listening for free. You get access to the montage archive and digital copies of my books. My new book, Liberty Shrugged, 600 plus pages, 37 chapters, will be going up in that archive for subscribers coming up here in a couple of, uh, probably a couple of weeks. I'll have it up there and available for sale as well. When you subscribe, when you buy a copy of one of my books, those are the only ways that this show is financed and it stays on air Monday through Friday again, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. So please check all of that out at www.thesecretteachings.info and email me rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. So we know that words like Pandemic and vaccine and woman and inflation and recession, racism, sexism, etc. All these words have been redefined. And when institutional and systemic practices begin to unfold in which words are redefined, then the extension of the word is the structure of the sentence, which is an expression of thought and an expression of how we identify and how we express ourselves, an extension of how we define reality. Meaning that when we define words differently by changing the definitions overnight, we reshape and we redesign reality. And when that happens, things can get really confusing. Things don't make sense anymore. And when things get really confusing and don't make sense anymore, we turn to authorities to help us understand what's going on. Things are chaotic. Something's not right here. Obviously, would be you know we have probably two good solid years of lockdowns on and off or in some places essentially permanent lockdowns that have led to reductions in childhood literacy, independent self-care, even physical regressions in terms of walking and crawling and social skills because of masks and because of social isolation. And obviously, none of that is, is a good thing. But when you start to see that words are changed, that independent development is being thwarted, free thought, social development, etc. And in schools, children are literally being taught to eat insects, to hate each other based on the color of their skin or their gender identity, or they're being taught to be an opposite gender 
or have an opposite sexual preference, and they're being encouraged to act out violently, something is severely wrong. Now, personally, I think it has something to do with Marxist-Communist cultural warfare, the likes of which was done in Germany in the 1920s during the Weimar Republic, and the likes of which the Soviet Union attempted to place into the U.S. public school system by infiltrating the educational system and, and, and political parties as well. Today, it could be that and a combination of other things because this is something that's going on all around the world. And as much as we might watch left-leaning or right-leaning TV that bickers over, well, the right says this, the left says that, this is or this isn't going on in school and talk about critical race theory and they talk about things like, like that that are politically charged. But you look at some of the school books, the textbooks, and, and they really do just literally teach kids how to have homosexual sex. They teach kids. People ask me, what's wrong with that? And I say, well, um, these are kids, so they probably shouldn't be seeing heterosexual sex. Be saying, I'd be saying the same thing if kids were being taught to have heterosexual sex in kindergarten. That's a little bit too early, isn't it? Even when you had sex ed, you usually had to get a slip from your parents to watch the videos. Now it's sex ed every day. And it's not only that, it's teachers that are advocating and, and even bragging on social media about how they're literally grooming children. I could play you the clips, but they're, they're legion. I have too many of them to play. I've played them before, though. Tonight we're joined by a friend of mine, Anastasia. She's been a teacher for a very, very long time. She lives in Florida now. She's taught in the state of Florida, which we, we, we tend to think is a, is a good state, especially because of the governor there and what the governor has done in regard to these types of in-school policies. But despite Governor DeSantis, just like despite a lot of governors and a lot of state legislatures, a lot of cities, a lot of counties just tell the state, up yours, we're not going to follow state law. Some states, some counties even tell the federal government, the Supreme Court, we don't care what you say. We're going to do whatever we want to do. They have no respect for the rule of law. So Anastasia is with us this evening, and she has a couple of books from the from the school system in which she teaches. And I'm not sure how, you know, how, how many of these, uh, these things you've seen, but you've got a few of these books. Some of the things that they're literally, this is not hearsay or speculation, these are things that children are literally being taught in school about, one, eating insects, and two, about economics. You think that kids aren't taught about economics? No, they're taught about economics in school. It's just probably not exactly the kind of economics you'd think about or the kind that you would assume kids would be being taught about. So Anastasia, welcome back to the show. Second hour tonight, third segment. What can you tell us about what is in these textbooks? I've heard rumors. I've seen pictures. You actually have copies of some of these things. What are children being taught? What are you as a teacher essentially being encouraged to teach these children? Okay. So yes, I have a couple of these. They were little workbooks and um, we were throwing them away at the end of the year. And I happened to be able to pull a couple of them that were being thrown away, discarded the name, and um, these were not uh, used very long. I had a lot of students coming in and out, transfers and, and everything. What, gr what grades were these as well, by the way? Okay, so the first one, the Follow the Money, um, this was for seventh grade. And they were talking about the, um, the money system and how money shapes our lives. They go through on this one, and 
They talk about the stock market, money through the years, the life and death of the dollar bill, making money, growing brighter futures, and then they have a little um, novel. They say it's a little fictional story. And then they have a nonfiction, how to turn $100 into $1 million. Doesn't that sound exciting? That sounds like, a, that works for all of us. That sounds like a self-help scam. That doesn't sound like an educational <laughs> textbook. Uh, it's, um, it was interesting. And so we went through the vocabulary, um, the vocabulary words, I'll just go through them, just a few. Depositing, industry, investor, plunge, recessions. And how do they okay. define these words in the book? Okay, so let's see. Um, the stock market allows companies to raise money by selling a piece of their company called a stock to an investor. Um if the company makes profit, investors investors can make money. If the company loses money, the price of the stock can plunge and investors lose money. So that would be where plunge goes. I don't know if you want me to go through any more. They did talk about the Great Depression, that it was um, a recession, that was um, in the past people made lots of money from stocks they purchased, but stock market losses have also led to economic problems like um, recessions and even the Great Depression. So is there any mention in these books, and, and this is not scripted, so we didn't talk about this before, but is there any mention in these books about the Federal Reserve and uh, like, you know, the, the quantitative easing of the Federal Reserve pumping money into the economy, inflation, recession, things? Is there any basic standard well, definition that, 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 uh, that they give in these books? Okay, so that is interesting because we're getting there. They they show money through the years and how they went through different kinds of coins and metals and and that kind of thing. Nothing about how it changed from um, the gold uh, the the gold standard to the petrodollar and you know everything else that it's been through. Nothing about the Congress, um, which we know are supposed to be the ones. Pointing the, the money, they go through the life and the death of the dollar bill, and that's when they talk about the U.S. Treasury Department and how they print the money, and if it's damaged, it's picked back up and it's taken back to them, and that they take it through the Federal Reserve banks, and that there are twelve of the Federal Reserve banks, each represents a different district of the country, and that they can take these damaged dollars back to them and replace them. So that is um, part of, of the Federal Reserve's purpose. And it, it says money facts you can bank on. U.S. currency is made up of 75% cotton and 25% linen, because we know that's important. Um, a dollar bill costs 5.6 cents to make. More than half of the U.S. currency is held in other countries. Um, the lifespan of one a one dollar bill is five point eight years, but the lifespan of a one hundred dollar bill is fifteen years, and two billion four hundred twenty five million six hundred thousand one dollar bills were printed in two thousand seventeen. So, are they teaching kids about inflation though? Are they teaching kids about the national debt and uh, again quantitative easing? Is that is that mentioned or referenced in these texts at all? So quantitative, quantitative easing is not mentioned, but they do talk about um, they, too, they, they do talk about um, 
the value of the currency being um, worth less when people like this one criminal um, make counterfeit money. So this was interesting because this was in 2008. There was a Frank Barraza who really wanted to be rich and decided that he would make his own millions. He bought a $125,000 high-tech printer and um, special ink, foil, and paper and was able to create $250 million worth of the most realistic-looking fake bills anyone had ever seen. I'm reading that straight from the book. Okay. So, we would think that, according to this, I mean, it was 2008. What happened during 2008? <laughs> the recession. Housing so, market collapse. Yes. So instead of explaining all of that, and, and, you know, they don't straight out say this, but to me, whenever they have the 2008 here, it's subconsciously, I think, setting something up. Um, they said that this was one um, paragraph that I'm just, if you don't mind, I'll read it straight um, word for word. Yeah, bad ahead. money, bad for the economy. So according to this, because he made money that wasn't real. So also scam would add a lot of fake money into the economy. That could create a considerable problem. Why? Each year, the U.S. Department of Treasury decides how much money should be circulated. If more money is added to this set amount, the value of the currency goes down as a result. And if the currency is worth less, vendors will charge more to make up the difference. This is called inflation. Okay, so, so, so they go through some basic definitions and then they're mm -hmm. teaching kids that inflation occurs because people counterfeit money. It's, it's right here. I don't see a whole lot of other things that they're blaming it on. I didn't see anything else. I'd have to go back and so make that, sure. But that, that, sounds, yep. that sounds like I'm sure you've heard the White House blame gas prices on gas station owners. Yes. Sounds like We're the exact same thing. We're not living in the real thing. world. No, not mm -hmm. at all. And you don't have to be an economist to understand that. No. So a few people, I mean, how, think about this. How many counterfeiters are active at any given time? There might be a, a few hundred. People might inadvertently be, be passing around counterfeit bills, but it's not a very common thing. That surely mm -hmm. is not responsible for massive inflation. I would think that in, inflation would be a result of, oh, I don't know, giving uh, hundreds of, 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 of millions into the billions into arguably they, they're debating in Congress hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine. That might cause yes. inflation. Mm -hmm. You would think that, that they're not mentioning any of that. According to this, you have counterfeiters that are creating the problem because the Federal Reserve has this all-knowing power of how many bills we should have in the economy. So, but okay. And so that, th this was in two thousand. The whole thing out of whack. This was in two thousand eight, though. So clearly, there's nothing in. I mean, obviously, the Ukrainian situation is now. But this was fourteen years ago that this text is being used for school, which is a problem in and of itself. Uh, but they're, they're no, not. This, no, this, this is um, this is copyrighted. Let me see. I think they were just using that as the excuse because he was probably one of the best counterfeiters of all time. It's copyrighted two thousand nineteen. Okay, so this is this is more recent. So, still not with uh -huh. the Ukrainian situation, but let's yeah, let's just go back to the the housing uh, bubble. What happened? You had mm -hmm. you had banks, very very simplistic version of the story, but you had banks that were giving uh, loans to people to buy houses they knew they couldn't afford them. You had mm -hmm. 
I went to real estate school. I don't know if you remember that, but I went to real estate school and got a real yeah. estate license in Florida. And yes. it part of the class we learned in the class that the, these some of these mortgage companies they they literally never had the deeds to the homes, so they set up big uh, warehouses or like hotels where they had hundreds or thousands in some cases of people making fake deeds to houses, so they could go to court and the bank could claim that they actually own these houses they did they didn't actually own. So there's mm-hmm. there's, there's no mention of mortgage fraud. There's no mention of banks giving out loans knowing people couldn't pay them back. There's no, there's no, uh, uh, there's no looking into any of that. They're just teaching kids that inflation is caused because, uh, basically, because gas station owners are greedy. I mean, this is uh-huh. this is not economics. This is brainwashing. This is mind control. This is state-sponsored propaganda masquerading as education. As far as I'm concerned, I agree. Um, if you look at this, it's it was um, two hundred and fifty million dollars worth of realistic money. I know that how much the government was spending and making and all of that would be different because this was before this, the story that this man counterfeited before the QE1, QE2, QE3, QE4, and now they just throw the money and they don't call it quantitative easing of anything. But this right here seems like a very small amount in comparison to what the government is, is counterfeiting itself. You know, if you want to call it that, I, I guess I shouldn't call it counterfeiting. They're they're printing the money supposedly legally through their their somewhat private reserve bank, which the the con the Congress is supposed to be in charge of, and it was supposed to be under the gold standard. But there's no discussion about the gold standard, no discussion about petrodollar, no discussion about wars being caused to keep the dollar up. Um, it's all the physical side of what the coins looked like through the years. Uh, or through, through history, um, the the Federal Reserve being there so that when we rip a dollar or it gets washed or doesn't look good anymore, the banks can put it aside and send it back through the Federal Reserve and get new ones, and that they decide how much should be put into the circulation. I mean, I mean to, okay, so to be, to be fair, you, they, you could very easily argue that Congress has the authority to allocate the coining of money, so, but they... I've never heard anybody actually argue that. Like legally, if you read what Congress's powers are, you can you can find mm-hmm. that there are allowances for just like the president to do things within his power that aren't directly enumerated by the Constitution, but they they can they can stretch to those powers based on an inter- a certain interpretation of the language. But you never have that argument. Instead, they ignore the fact that Congress has that authority, which is suspicious, and then they put all that authority in a private central bank that has basically no regulations that is then tied to the international monetary fund that's tied to the world bank. And now with what we're seeing with Ukraine, you've got the IMF and you've got the U S Congress basically just dumping truckloads of, of U S dollars into a foreign country through the IMF, which we know because I've interviewed uh, John Perkins, the the uh, famous economic hitman. This is precisely how the CIA and how multinational corporations take over a country, extract their resources, and if the president or the prime minister doesn't go along, oops, they get assassinated, and there's an uprising. This is what we did all throughout the Middle East, and there's not a single mm-hmm. single mention of that in this textbook. It's just, no, some guy named Bob printed some dollar bills, and that's why inflation's bad. I mean, this is, this is rabid state-sponsored propaganda. Well, to me, what would be interesting is to see if, if we could have a little time machine and see 10 years from now, 
what they're saying that this was caused by. Right. right. Well, it's, you know, it, <laughs> what would they blame it on? Exactly. In the last six months, it went from Putin's fault to gas station owners to now they're just openly stating the transportation security or trans, security, excuse me, the transportation secretary, uh, Pete, uh, Pete Buttigieg. He said that it's a good thing that you're paying high gas prices. This is good for green energy. We need to pay high gas prices. It'll discourage people from traveling and having cars, and maybe they'll buy an electric car. They're not even hiding it now. They're just telling you this is this is the overall agenda. So, so that's one book. Right, let them take. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what. Let that, take. Can't afford the gas The gas prices will just go out and buy your electric car. Yeah, What's wrong with you? You can't afford it. Too bad you won't no. be able to drive. That's okay. You don't deserve mm-hmm. to be able to drive. Okay, so that's that's one book. If you're just joining us, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Anastasia, she's a teacher in Florida. She's got some of these textbooks from the schools. You were telling me, I, I heard you call into Clyde Lewis one night even and talk about the, the, uh, the insects, what children are being taught about consuming insects in school. Yeah. What is that yeah. about? So now this one was interesting. This was for eighth grade. And these books, whenever we would start a new workbook, we would start with what was called an anchor video. And what I distinctly remember about this anchor video is that they were telling the students that the idea of eating bugs was brought about by artists, humanitarians, and kids like them. So there was no mention of Bill Gates, no mention of all these other, you know, high quality people. Yes, Klaus Schwab definitely wasn't on there. Um, but, but this was something that, that, oh, look, this is, this is wonderful. And the middle, the, the Western countries just needed to get over the X factor. They just needed to get over it. You know, everybody has different preferences based on how they were raised. And so, um, it, this, this one really got me. Um, they had the, the science of taste. They talked about, again, preferences um, and how, how we come about them and our five main taste sensations, um, aromas and influences. Then they had this lady on here, and her name is, let's see if I can find it. You're looking directly, you're looking directly at the textbooks, right? These were for eighth graders. Yes, I, I didn't have the chance to do that with um, whenever I called in before. I believe that this author's name is Jennifer S. Holland, but she has a book that's on um, Amazon, if I can, if I remember correctly, about eating bugs. And I think she has like six reviews. So they talk about that we need to get over it. They say that it has... um, that it's a good way eating insects can address challenges related to lack of nutrition that they're packed with protein, fiber, and good fats and vital minerals and much more than many other food sources. Um, They, they also talk about how uh, some people cook them and that they're, they also um, a lot of edible insects. Oh, don't, don't they, do they provide oh. you like a list of the insects or is it just insects in general? No, they provide a list and her name. Okay. So I found the cookbook. The, the cookbook that they're promoting in this is creepy crawler cuisine and it's Julieta Ramos Elderoy, Elderoy, 
Elador. I'm mispronouncing that. Elordway or something. Anyway, you can see it on there. So they start off with beetles, and they say that you have the longhorn, June, dung, and rhinoceros varieties, and that this is the most uh, that those are the most commonly eaten ones. So I asked the students, "Do you know what dung is?" And very few have been around a farm or anything, and they were not aware that that was something that went, you know, and picked up the manure and, and everything. Um, this, they say, because humans cannot digest cellulose from trees, the beetles can digest it, and we can eat the beetles, and the beetles have turned the cellulose from the trees into digestible fat. And this is what's being promoted. This is what's being taught to kids to, to eat the bugs as a, as a source of fiber. Of, of all the nutrients. Okay, so here. Because, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. And, and there was a, a parent that I was talking to, and she said that they were promoting it in the third grade, too. So oh, I don't get, know how many young. grade levels. Mm-hmm. They're making sure they catch the older ones that they miss. Okay, so um, he, 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 have a, I have a question for you. So if, okay. personally, I eat a plant-based diet. It's not because Klaus Schwab told me to. I just, it, it's, I, I find all the science to suggest a plant-based diet's the best diet or lifestyle. But here's my issue. Same here. Mm-hmm. So if, if Klaus Schwab tells you that you need to eat more plants and less meat, why not promote veggie burgers? Why not promote grains, which are extremely cheap? Why immediately go to genetically modified which are you know owned and patented by certain companies that own certain land run by certain individuals with uh, with uh, computer backgrounds, if you will. Why, <laughs> why why go directly to highly processed, non nutritious, artificial plant sources when you could just go to the grains? You could just go to legumes and nuts and seeds and greens and fruits. Like you can get your phytochemicals, your antioxidants, and your, your macro and micronutrients from those things. So if they really want, mm-hmm. want you to stop eating meat, there's literally an unlimited amount of information on the on the color and the variety and the taste and the flavors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, of all these different wonderful foods and plants. But they don't do that. They go to taking those plants, modifying them genetically, slapping a patent on them, stripping them of their nutrients, and then putting them into compactors where they press them down into a patty and then sell you that as the solution to climate change. Why not just focus on the grain? Why go straight to this highly processed, non-nutritious stuff? And then for some people, just skip over that and go right to the insects. That, Anastasia, is extremely suspicious to me. And I want to get your take on that when we come back from break. The segments go pretty quick. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. We're going to talk about this when we come back from break and a little bit more about what's going on in the public school system. I also have some questions I want to ask you about some more contemporary news stories in the last couple of days. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teaching. Stay with us. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. 
It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and this is The Secret Teachings. Anastasia is with us from Florida. She's a teacher and has been a teacher for a very long time, sharing with us some of the textbooks that were being thrown out, some of the things that the kids were being taught, teachers were being encouraged to teach children, such as inflation is caused by people counterfeiting money. I mean, Obviously, I guess if enough people counterfeited, it could make a, a huge dent cause mass inflation but that's not what's causing inflation and i adults say that kind of thing to me they, they don't say it's because of counterfeiters they say it's because some indian guy at a gas station is raising his prices because costs of goods are going up and that's somehow the gas station owner I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here saying this to you kind of with like a i don't know, like a peter griffin face i'm like wait a minute hold on a second this doesn't make any sense what, 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 are, you, what are you talking about as a gas station owner this is what they're teaching children in school. This is in the textbooks. And uh, Anastasia was just talking about, before we went to the break, how 
we've got children, these are eighth graders, being taught to eat insects. Now, I did a show on this a few days ago, and I talked about, actually on Friday as well, we had uh, Mike D on the show, longtime co-host, and we looked at what, what is happening with the, the transition away from having an abundance of food in the developed world, especially in the United States and in the West, to having limited options like we're living in a country such as Cuba. And why we're basically reducing the common person to the absolute lowest common denominator. And being told that having privilege, meaning having a roof over your head, having air conditioner, having clean water, having hygiene products, you know, having access to medical supplies, having uh, you know, access to food, for that matter, we're told that this is a privilege that we should be ashamed of. And we should, instead of using our wealth and our privilege to lift others out of poverty with real education to teach them how to be independent and care for themselves, etc., we're lowering ourselves into a state of poverty. And that's the same issue with bugs. Rather than promoting that we should be consuming, let's say, if we're not going to eat meat, we're going to eat a plant-based diet. There's an abundance of resources or there's an abundance of plants and even if you get rid of animals, I mean, a lot of grain is produced for animals. That's a lot of grain for humans to eat, corn, soy, etc. And yet the World Economic Forum and others are telling us, no, you need to eat highly processed, non-nutritious things that are kind of like plants. And if you don't want to eat that, let's just go right to the bugs. So my question, Anastasia, is being a teacher and seeing that this is what's being taught to kids, eighth graders and even younger, my question is, why are we using our wealth and our privilege to reduce everybody into a state of poverty why aren't we using our wealth and privilege if we have all this wealth and privilege to elevate people out of poverty it it just sounds like what you're reading from in this textbook this is intended to brainwash people into thinking that we should all be equal based on having nothing and liking it and reducing our our palate to insects rather than even something as simple as a cheap grain or some fruit or vegetables we can grow in our backyard this seems so fundamentally anti-human it just seems evil and i agree 100 percent. and it's definitely a manipulation coming from some very powerful people and my sister said it best she said they absolutely hate us you know and so whatever they can do that's degrading demeaning you know just uh, I'm, I'm sorry, plus that doesn't make any sense anyway because bugs, like people eat bugs, yes, but they usually eat them because they don't have access to other things. It's a supplement to their diet of, of, of virtually nothing. Like they eat bugs because that's all they have. This is like the poorest parts of the world. These are also people that are sick and dying and don't have long life expectancies. Right. Now you, you stated it best because you said that it's the lowest denominator and why do we want to go with the lowest denominator instead of pulling everybody up? And it's because we are, the, the whole, the system is just being so highly manipulated through the propaganda that we used to know about, we used to, to learn about. Um, my mother knew the forms of, of propaganda. I knew the forms of propaganda. Um, you and my older daughter are, are pretty versed with it because of film. You know, you've been in, in film school and they talk about it. But to take it out of your, your remedial reading classes, to take it out of your language arts classes, is a real disservice to the population overall. Because, totally, totally. Um, but, um, yeah, just to, to just go through the rest really fast, because it is quite telling, 
they go from beetles to butterflies and moths, which they say should be eaten um, in like the lava stage, the, the bees, ants, grasshoppers, crickets, and locusts, um, flies and mosquitoes. Now, this is interesting, and I'm just going to read this straight from here because it's just so crazy. Um, flies and mosquitoes, not as popular as some of the others. These insects include edible termites and, yes, lice. Oh. They still have a oh. yeah they, they, straight from this book. They still have a place at some tables. Flies that develop on various types of cheese take on the flavor of the cheese. Species from water habitats may taste like duck or fish. Well, who's eating the cheese and who's eating the fish and the duck? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we get what what's flavored from it. Oh, thank you. And then the last one was stink bugs which they say you have to get past the funky smell, um, but they add an apple flavor to sauces. And they can also be a valuable source of iodine, and they have pain-killing properties. So, okay, so I look at it this way. Personally, I'm not above eating a bug. If I'm in a dire situation, I don't have anything else to eat, maybe I'll eat a bug. But Mm -hmm. I I have an abundance of choices and things that are much more nutritious and delicious and easier to acquire than bugs. So I'm not going to lower myself to eating bugs. I'm not now, now I'm not saying that people that eat bugs are, are lower than me as if I'm superior. What I'm saying is people that eat bugs tend to be poor and in poverty and they tend to be very sick and they don't have any wealth and they're very, very, um, they're reduced to basically an animalistic lifestyle, the, the lowest of the low in our society, which is sad and we should be, again, using the wealth we have and the knowledge we have of, of, of the way that things work in nature, et cetera, and new technologies to help elevate those people out of poverty. So what I don't understand, Anastasia, is basically what it feels like, what it seems like is happening, is that not only are kids being taught this, this is eighth grade, this book you're reading from with all these different varieties of bugs, but it seems like what's happening is we're literally conditioning the, conditioning the next generation to eat and to think and to act as if they are peasants or slaves with no context. So they grow up thinking that being a slave or a peasant is a normal state and a normal condition of life. And that, I think, is not just in the Florida school system. That's happening in school systems across the country and across the world. And a lot of it comes, yes, from the World Economic Forum. It comes from the United Nations People can say what they want and they can call it what they want. But if you're teaching kids to eat bugs and you're teaching kids to only think a certain way and you're teaching kids to basically live in poverty, you're teaching children to be slaves and peasants because you clearly don't want people to question and you don't want people to have free thought and you don't want people to independently act on their own. This is a global, I don't know what else to call it, a global conspiracy to subdue the human race and to dehumanize every single human, almost as if aliens are running this, because I don't know if humans are humans, this evil, my God, this is horrific. This is. And, um, I did tell the students that we lived in Florida and I let them know that if we start having problems with food supplies, that we have plenty of other things that I'll be eating that I will not be eating bugs. (laughs) We live in Florida. We've got lots of vegetation, a lot of things that are edible, just, everywhere around us i mean what, and, about, what about hunting you i mean even in florida you can go exactly. hunting there's deer why can't you just go hunting alligator meat i mean my yeah. gosh uh, obviously if you're hunting this is an industrial agriculture so 
that's a more natural thing. So if you go hunting and you kill, yeah. kill a deer or whatever and you eat it, that's mm-hmm. self-sustainability. Just like if you plant some seeds and grow some whatever corn or green beans or cabbage or something in your backyard, that's self-sustainability. So by not teaching kids how to hunt or teaching kids that that's even a possibility, that's even an option, or teaching kids how to how to you know raise some plants, we're teaching kids to be dependent on the state. And I I really did try to I I tried to make this a little light light um, hearted. Um, there was a cockroach one day in the corner, and the kids were freaking out over it. It was a rather large one, and I said, "Oh my gosh, that's dinner tonight." Yeah. <laughs> You can get some milk out of it. Yeah. And, and they were like, hurry up and get it before it gets away. And I said, well, if it multiplies, we just have a bigger feast. <laughs> and I was just laughing and making jokes about it because I wanted them to see how silly and ridiculous this is. And and I would always turn back around and I would say, again, we live in Florida. There's a lot to eat around here. And people should start planting food. You know, plant food. You like if you like tomatoes, grow some tomatoes. Maybe somebody else can grow bell peppers. You all can switch back and forth. So I would try to plant that little seed every once in a while for humor. Um, at the very end of the school year, I did. Um, we had time. It was after testing. The kids were just over it all. It, it was a rough year, and so I pulled up where Bill Gates was investing in a lot of property, and that he is involved in a lot of this. Um, bug industry and what they expect it to be. Yes. And I just presented it very much like a, like a lecture. And it was like, oh, look, you know, this is through AB, uh, what are some of the news places, CNN or something like that. And I would say, look, they expect it to be a $2 billion industry here in a couple of years. I tried, you know, I, I didn't bring politics into it. I just don't cross that boundary at all with, with children or students. But um, anybody 18, younger, anybody in, in high school still. Um, but I tried to kind of, in a lighthearted way that I felt like was appropriate, plant seeds for them so that they could have more of an understanding of what really was going on and things that they could do to help themselves through it. So, okay, so if we have, we have this being taught to children in school, which is totally dehumanizing, totally demeaning, totally degrading, to, to, absolutely. Just absolutely regressive, then mm-hmm. I assume that this has to be, I don't know what's, I haven't asked you this yet, so let's, let's maybe talk about it for a few minutes. I assume this is just part of an, other, an otherwise systemic agenda that is aimed at not only demeaning and degrading children and conditioning for the future, where you will eat bugs and, and, and own nothing and like it, but also the, the whole idea of, what they call LGBTQ, but I mean, that is in school systems all over the place where children are literally being taught to like the opposite sex less and like the same sex more. And they're being taught that, I mean, I've read some things in parts of the South where they're literally showing kids how to have anal sex when they're in like, uh, what is it like third, fourth grade up to middle Mm -hmm. school. I don't know how much of that's going on in your school, and it's not, an, they're not, these are not isolated cases. You, you, I mean, if you haven't seen it, I'm, I'm assuming you have the pornographic I, material in Texas that they've put into school libraries. What do you know about that? I, okay, so I haven't seen anything like what you were talking about, teaching the students directly how to have certain types of sex or anything like that. There is questionable reading material. And they feel like by having this provocative 
reading material for the students that they'll be more likely to read if they're resistant readers. I think that you and I were probably very similar type kids, but even if, um, if for me, I wanted to read information, show me what's going on in the world, show me the truth, give me something, you know, let me study animal life. Let me study the, you know, different kinds of creatures in different countries and things like that from the old Encyclopedia Britannica that we had. <clears throat> um, as I got older, I was very um, interested in, in conspiracy, you know, conspiracy theories. And I would like to know why, if they think that they should have this pornographic material in the schools, and they feel like that's so important to expose children to, including children of parents that don't want their children exposed to it. And they say, well, you know, you're libertarians, and you say that you shouldn't have to wear the mask and this and that, and now you say that they shouldn't have these books in, in the schools, you know, and this is for our kids. Very condescending. But you have to remember these personal boundaries. And... Any student can go to a library, a public library. They can take the bus. If the parents don't care what they're, they're doing and checking out and reading, they can get themselves there. They can get a hold of these books anytime they want to. They can find all this material online. It's easily accessed by these kids. And that's, that's purposely being done as well because that's tearing down relationships. If they can get these kids swept into the porn, that breaks down the family. And so... It's all systematically being done, but if you really want provocative material for the kids to become um, interested, the, the reluctant readers, bring in conspiracy theories. You know, like whenever I was a kid, they talked about um, the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot, you know, that kind of thing. Those were things a lot of us were interested in. Why aren't they doing that? I, I mean, Why I aren't they showing information about 9-11, you know, questions that we have about 9-11. Why aren't they bringing up, this is the space post. What a great place to bring in some books about reasons that some people believe that we didn't land on the moon. That would be pretty provocative in this area. My gosh, let's get a big discussion and research going on. These kids would get really involved in that. They run around with these NASA shirts and um, everything. And they don't even know what the Van Allen belt is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I, yes. sa I said to somebody who was wearing a NASA shirt, I said, oh, so you support Nazis? Oh, well, what do you yeah. mean? What do you mean? I said, well, I mean, we want to cancel everything today. So, I mean, you know, Walt Disney was a literal Nazi. NASA was founded by basically a, a, literal, a literal Nazi. Why aren't we canceling mm -hmm. NASA? I'm, I'm curious then, because I, I agree with what you're saying. I wouldn't even consider the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot to be conspiracy theories. I just, they're provocative topics. So I get the, I get the sentiment and the gist of what you're saying, right? You're, you're saying instead of making uh, school discussions about sexual identity, especially when kids don't even know what their own identity is, they're just growing up, they're kids. Uh, mm -hmm. Kids are naturally confused. Why, why not introduce, I mean, young boys, even young girls, people are going to be interested in that kind of thing. You know, make Make the conversation about things that aren't intimate and aren't confusing, like my sexuality and my sexual preferences for a third grader or a fourth grader. Now, 100% right. Why are we not having children discuss things like, I mean, people might think it's silly, but I'd rather my kids discuss the Loch Ness Monster than where, where they want to 
put their penis like that. That is so perverted when you have teachers that are teaching children that. And then not only that, they're telling them about you've seen dozens, hundreds, thousands of teachers all over the country on social media bragging about how they have access to kids and how they're not letting parents see what goes on in the classroom. It's criminal. they, they absolutely need to have cameras in the, the classroom. And going back to this identity part, I would like to just say two things. I, as, a, just as an observer of the communities that I've lived in, I see these young, young babies and toddlers, and the first thing that the parents do is distract them with the phone. And they don't go through the development that we went through where we had play, we had imagination, we, you know, created our own little worlds with our little toys and stuff. They have everything fed to them. All the information, all the games, it's all fed to them. There's no imagination or ingenuity in that. So then they go from not being able to do that to all of a sudden they're in this time period where the hormones are kicking in and there's a lot of confusion and everything. And they've never had that thought process and creativity that other generations have had. So it is more confusing. And now they're told, and and the CIA has said that one of the easiest ways to make people compliant and confused is to take away their identity. And that's what they're doing. Yep. So change your identity anytime. We're going to come in and you tell me your pronoun today. And it's interesting because I have a friend whose son is gay and I thought that he would be backing all of this up. He was teaching and he had a student come in and he told him his pronoun was they and, and them. And her son looked at him and said, um, excuse me, but those are plurals and you're singular. That's not incorrect. He said, that's incorrect English. So I'll just <laughs> refer to you by your first name. We just won't use pronouns for you. <laughs> just went Brilliant. on. Brilliant. Just went on, and I—that's what I thought. I thought, my gosh, that is brilliant because that has been one of the most irritating things to me. You're not plural; you're singular. What are you doing? Giving yourself all this—you know—do you have multiple personalities? Is this what's going on with you? Is this the—you know? Well, that's like the glorifying—that's like the glorifying of mental illness. First of all, yes, with multiple personalities, is. but it's also putting the individual into the group collective. It's—it's it's communist, Marxist, mm-hmm. Leninist, uh, Stalinist, Maoist collectivization. Is what it is. Your student, not your child, will take care of what we know what's right for them. And the thing is, is that these people that are higher up, we went through the stages of development with childhood. You know, to become a teacher, you go through that. You know what those stages are. Why in the world are, are more people not understanding what they're doing to these kids by taking children that have never gone through that creativity and the imagination, and then it starts being, okay, well, now you're you're hormones are kicking in let's let's let you just be whatever you want to be today which i mean is is it's, it's so criminal because you have children in general like even a, a young adult your brain doesn't fully form until you're about 24 years old to, for to making for making correct. important decisions so if you're correct get, mm-hmm. you're getting kids 24, at, 25. yeah 24 25 so if you're getting kids at 12 mm-hmm. 13 and you're putting them on puberty blockers and you're putting them on hormone uh, hormones hormone therapy those puberty blockers and the hormone therapy, I've read about the, the actual drugs. They, most of them actually target the brain. Like it might just be a, an, an inadvertent side effect, but it targets the brain. It prevents 
mental or, or physical brain development. So literally, mm-hmm. it's, it's mentally retarding the kids, and then they're already confused, and then you've got a boy or a girl who becomes a girl or a boy. That creates even more confusion, and it's no wonder with the drugs and the confusion and not addressing the real root sources of why people feel like they're, they're, they're having a hard time, which is everybody at that young age, yes. rather than addressing mm-hmm. that problem, what ends up happening is people become suicidal because they can't take it anymore. I mean, this is literally right. retarding children. It's literally grooming children. And the ones that survive go on to support the ideology that is, I mean, you've seen what Disney has done. It's an absolute abomination mm-hmm. of nature. Yes. No, everything, it, they, everything that they are doing is so criminal and they're targeting the children. Yep. That's um, it. They, they want the kids. And that's what and it, if you that, don't turn your what, child over, well, then you are a terrorist parent. You are a yes. domestic terrorist. Yep, that's right. That's right. The, the uh, Garland and the FBI, they, they believe that parents are domestic terrorists. And I mean, a lot of this, mm-hmm. a lot of this has to do with, uh, you know, classic uh, military techniques where if like when the Roman Empire would take over a, a, a certain area, just like any other uh, uh, military throughout the history of the world, what they do mm-hmm. is that they destroy the culture. They usually take the women as wives or as servants, et cetera. Maybe they kill a few to, to, sh- to, to show them a lesson, to prove a lesson. And then they, they kill a lot of the men because the men are able to resist and the men are able to fight. And they usually kill all the men, take the women for whatever reason, you know, slaves, sex, sex slaves, et cetera. And then they raise mm-hmm. the children in the ideology, in the religion, et cetera, of, of the new state. This is the yeah. same exact thing that's happening today. And we can even see it closer to home in our own history of what happened to the American Indian, the Native American Indians. It's a very similar because cultural they, clash. Mm-hmm. They they took the children, they selected all the kids, made them go into a public school, changed the way that they dressed, changed their their hair, everything else, and broke down the family unit. And this, the way that this is happening in a stage is, is worldwide. It's like, I never understood how we've only got about five minutes left here too, for the record, but we've, we've got countries that can't seem we're told to agree on like pandemic restrictions and policies, but virtually Mm -hmm. every country on this planet seems to agree without discussion on LGBTQ. Like, so we're, we're told that the world just can't get their stuff together over pandemics, but everybody seems to agree on LGBTQ. Everybody seems to agree on eating insects so I don't understand it. Like we can't get along on other on certain things, but everything else that comes directly out of the World Economic Forum, every country is immediately on board with, with no discussion. It's it's un- if you think about it in that context, it just it's obvious that mm-hmm. when Klaus Schwab says they've got people that are infiltrating governments around the world, it's not uh, yeah. hyperbolic. Well, and I think that okay, so I think that the things that they agree on, like with the children, they have an agenda there, and they are keeping the pressure on. With the other, with the mask on, mask off, all of that, it's a wearing the people down. Yes. You know, the people have to wear the mask to to do anything, and they're exhausted, and, you know, they're having fights over it and everything, and then all of a sudden they get a reprieve. I'm already seeing the mask coming back. Some corporations are already demanding that people put the mask back on. It's coming. As a condition of both commerce and employment. I mean, if anybody yeah. if anybody has questions on that or needs help on that, I've I've helped a lot of people get out of those so called mandates. So you can email me at rdgable at yahoo dot com. Anastasia, I have a, a few things really quickly. I want to see if you can comment on. According to uh, the Economist, uh, local news, CNBC, etc., 
We've got three things happening. Children at a very high rate around the world uh, because of the lockdowns have become illiterate. They have not gotten the proper uh, schooling that they need. Uh, it's affected 30, a 30% increase in Latin American countries, for example. Because of masks, this is, a, this is official speech language pathologists, people that, that, that do this for a living. Masks have prevented kids from developing necessary communication skills. And then we've seen physical digressions in children who have, uh, at a, lo- a later uh, uh, point in their life, have, they're not learning to crawl or walk or learning facial cues or learning any kind of body language, which is very important when you're young. All of these things have been affected, according to scientists, uh, pathologists, etc., of, of speech development. All of these things have been affected because of lockdowns, and there's this huge push to push children further and further into not homeschooling, but digital schooling at home on a computer where the parents aren't allowed to see what they're learning. you have any comment on all of that, including the lockdown and, and what that's uh, caused to happen in the, uh, the schooling system? You got about a minute and a half or so. Okay. So, yes, there were a lot of uh, behavior problems, and there was some of it coming from TikTok challenges. Um, as far as the, the last thing, what was it that you just asked? Um, keeping the parents away. Um, yeah, they're, they're trying, again, they're trying to steal the kids. They're basically trying to steal the kids. And when they started calling the, the students, your student in, instead of your child, um, that was a form of, of letting them know, you know. I'm in the same position as you are as a parent. You no longer have authority. We have authority as well. That's right. Yeah. And I think that every single parent, whenever a school official of any sort says anything to a parent and addresses their child as your student, the parent needs to turn around and say, this is my child and my child is a student with with your school, you know, and they need to restate their authority. And they need to be right there seeing what's going on in the classroom. Uh, cameras need to be in, in the classroom. The, the teachers are trying to keep it out, and they're talking like in um, the unions. And the unions are keeping them out for the teachers, supposedly. It's because the teachers are scared. There's so many bad behaviors going on, and it's beyond the teacher's control. But if they would just understand that if you brought the cameras in, and if you brought the microphones into the classroom, and if when you bring everything to light, everything is is better in the light. You don't want to keep things in the dark. You don't want to keep anybody in the dark because that's promoting the bad behavior yeah, in the school. And, and you want if you enforce the law, enforce the rules, and and there were repercussions for those actions. I mean, we we we've been, we've talked uh, before the show tonight, and some of the stuff you were telling me that you didn't want to get into on the show, uh, some of the violence schools. It, it, it's almost mm-hmm. like you're more threatened from the kids who are acting out violently with no repercussions to their actions than you are from school shooters, Anastasia. Yes. Oh, yes. There were three teachers that were under workers' comp, but you had countless students that were getting hurt. And, of course, these these schools are reporting none of this to the state. Of course. Of course. We're, with- we're, out of, we're out of time. I'm really sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, no, that's no, okay. We'll, we'll have you back. We'll talk about this and maybe some other solutions. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really nice to talk to you again. You as well, Anastasia. I really appreciate it again. Thank you so much. Anastasia, teacher in Florida, Texas, for many, many years, telling us a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes, even in states like Florida, where you have a a governor, Ron DeSantis, who has been uh, mostly opposed to these anti-human ideologies uh, that are meant to create division and reduce people to the lowest common denominator. 
to make us use our privilege and wealth and uh, experience in order to, rather than lift others out of poverty, to lower ourselves into poverty because that's the, the name of the game. Equality means everybody's poor. Everybody's stupid. Everybody's dependent on the state. Teaching kids how to eat insects because, well, some poor people do it, so we should eat insects too. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast. Gable at yahoo.com, thesecretteachings.info, TST underscore underscore radio, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. Our affiliate sponsors are on the website, Pro One Water Filters, Transistor FM. Oh, and don't forget my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is coming out very soon. Subscribe to the show archive, support the show, grab a copy of one of my books. Keeps us on air Monday through Friday, five nights a week. 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.